My name is Pam, and this is Living Recovery. I have um, invited a friend of mine, Gerald, to so we can explore the topic of care for, caring for an aging parent. And Gerald just joined me, and so I just want to say hi. Hi, Gerald. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine. Hi, Pam. Good. So, yeah. Um, my mother has been living with me for the last 15 years and it really has impacted my recovery sometimes negative negatively and sometimes in a positive way and what i mean by that um i'm grateful to have my mother with me um on a number of different levels she has helped me financially tremendously Number one, um, she's also helped me to, um, because she's here, there are certain things I just won't do, you know. Um, so that's that's really helped me in my recovery because, you know, I'm not going to disrespect her in any way. So I don't have guys over here spending the night and that kind of thing. Never have. Um, and I'm 62 years old and um, that would be hard for some people, but. You know, I respect my mother in that way, and so I just don't do that. Um, but the way that it, had, it has impacted me in a negative way um, is, I think, it's just watching her age has been the hardest time that I, I think that I've had. My mother has always been vibrant. She, My mother was always the life of the party. We would give parties or whether they were uh, sports parties like Super Bowl parties or NBA championship parties. And now that she's hard of hearing and moves a little bit um, slower, she, she doesn't we don't do that anymore. And she is reluctant to really go out. Well, now that we're in a pandemic, we're not socializing anyway, but even B.C. before COVID we um she stopped going out and socializing because she doesn't hear as well now i finally talked her into getting hearing aids in fact i had to put my foot down on that one when um she wasn't using hearing aids and our quality of life together suffered we i couldn't um communicate with her and so I got together with my siblings who live in Nashville. I'm in the Bay Area, um, California. They live in Nashville. I got together with them and said, look, this is what needs to happen because, you know, mom is having a hard time and I'm having an even harder time dealing with um, not being able to communicate with her effectively. And so um, last year we got her hearing aids and that's helped out tremendously so i mean my mother is not sickly she she has her health um she she has um an underlying respiratory issue which makes her susceptible to covid but um in terms of her health she she can still take care of herself she cooks herself and um 
but she relies on me to take her to different places because she stopped driving. I think it's been about three years now. And, um, but yeah, she, she basically, like I said, takes, still takes care of herself. So I'm, I'm grateful because she isn't in a place where I, she is solely dependent on me in terms of feeding her, dressing her. That hasn't happened yet. And I'm grateful for that. And I have people in my recovery support who have dealt with parents who were um, or who have been that far gone in terms of their medical challenge challenges. And Gerald is one of them, which is why I invited him here today to talk about his experience with caring for aging parents and how that may have impacted his recovery. And so rather than continue to go on, I actually want to invite Gerald into the conversation and talk to him about um, which parents he took care of and how that was for him. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Gerald. Well, thank you, Pam, and thanks for inviting me. Um, you mentioned some of the the issues like my um I took care of both my mother and my father for periods of time before they transitioned. Um, my mom, she, uh, at 81 years old, she passed away in 2013 and um, she had type two diabetes and um, she'd gone into um, care at the end of her life because it was just overwhelming. She stayed with me for a while. And um, she suffered from dementia. And during the time when she stayed with me, that's when we discovered. Well, we didn't really discover that she was having dementia. We we um, I noticed some symptoms, but I didn't really put it all together until later. Mm. Um, what happened was um, one of the early signs that my mom was having some trouble was that once. I got a, I received a call from work and um, she, it was my mom on the line and she told me that um, I wouldn't be home. And when I asked, I asked why, she said, because the house, the apartment has burned. And so I left the job. And when I got there, got home, it was uh, there were numerous firemen standing in my living room and I saw my front window, my upstairs apartment, my front window was broken out and all the things that were in my uh, apartment were on the ground below and um, smoldering and smoking. And there were all these fire trucks wow. and everything. The house was out gasking, gassing. And what I discovered was what she told me was, you know, she was okay. But what she told me was that the, the gas stove, um, one of the eyes on the gas stove, she tried to turn it on to cook something and it kind of plumed up, the, the fire plumed up and she tried to smother mm -hmm. it with something combustible mm. and that started fire. Then, so from there, we, we went into, um, we had to have some emergency, emergency care because, you know, I was just homeless. Um, I didn't have I, at that time I didn't have renter's insurance, so I didn't have really any any coverage. So 
it was after that that um, she went back to uh, live with my brother. And then it was a little bit after she was staying with him for a few months, I got a call that she was having some problems, some medical problems. And what she was having was a stroke. And it was from there that she went into assisted mm-hmm. living. But all the, the while that she was living with me, you know, it created it, it wasn't too much of a problem because while she was living with me, she was still mobile and could think. But then when she um, when the place caught on fire and that threw us into unmanageability and then um, she went to live with my brother again after that. And then she had a stroke. Then she was in a facility. And then that's where she just she stayed. um alive and was she was able to interact a little but she her dementia was worse and she was bedridden mm-hmm. and so I couldn't take care of her at that point and and I had to go there and that was really hard to see mm-hmm. my mom body that was no longer functioning and um and I didn't really like the facility all that much because it reminded me of people who were on there who were transitioning mm-hmm. who were sick were not able to take care yeah. of themselves and um I would just go there. So it weighed on my mind a lot. And um, she, uh, um, it was, it was just hard. And then when she passed away, it was like she became portable and then she was able to get out of the body, which was such a, such a problem. And I was able to have a different type of relationship with her, but it was something that I had to deal with in my own recovery because it was kind of overwhelming that, you know, she was going through that. And then my dad followed her. He, he passed away in, uh, 20, in, uh, 2017. So three years ago. And he had a, a heart problem, heart attack, um, and pneumonia. And he had been an alcoholic and he came to, to live with me after that too, you know, while, uh, maybe a couple of years before he passed away, he came to live with me. And so it was quite a yeah. burden to take care of him because he had dementia also. And at times, you know, he would still drink, he would forget he would still drink and he smoked and he smoked in my house and he drank in my house and I would try to police him. But I also had to work through both of these situations with my parents. So it was really quite stressful. Um, and they didn't have really good financial planning for that. The best thing that they had going was they had medical insurance because my dad was a mm-hmm. veteran and we were all covered under his veteran um, insurance. And so he could go to the VA or he could go to one of the hospitals and he was covered. But it was tough because, you know, I was working full time and always have worked full time and then trying to take care of him. And then his dementia was such that he was tr- still trying to drive and I couldn't get. Although he didn't have a license, he had a car and he was trying to drive. He had an accident in the car um, and totaled the car, which I was totally happy with. Um, (laughs) He he would walk away from the house and forget Mm. where he was. So we it, it would be times where I wouldn't know where he was and people would bring him back and the the I would find him, you know, so that it just wasn't going to work. And then one day I came in and he was sitting on the floor and he had this um, this I think it's uh, uh, where he had this situation where he kind of mm-hmm. fainted. And so at that point, he went in to care himself and. um and then it was it was different, but it was still hard for him to be in care and have to advocate and have to go there and be with him. So it's really it's quite stressful 
taking care of parents at the end of their lives, you know, and it can put a lot of stress on you, on your, it put a lot of stress on my recovery. It's just good that I had some right. support and, um, that, that the other people had gone through things like that. And that my family had some insurance. Right. You know, um, there was no COVID. Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough period. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, you know, like I said, my mother is, is pretty hair healthy. Um, and the thing is, like I said, I have two siblings. They live in Nashville. So, and I'm the oldest of three. And so when I decided to, to leave Nashville to come back to the Bay Area, my mother, who was in Nashville, asked me if she could come back with me. And this is part of my living mm -hmm. amends to my mother, her, because there was nothing in mm -hmm. me that said, no, you can't, no, I don't want, that's going to be too difficult. I, everything in me said yes, because of all the hell that I put my mother through using, I thought the least I could do mm -hmm. is let her come and live with me. And so um, uh, some of the, some of the emotional difficulties are sometimes feeling like that, um, that child, um, like when I would go, it, it seemed like she would resent when I would go out. Like if I was dating, she would resent me going out. Um, and it reminded mm -hmm. me of mm -hmm. when I was a kid, um, when I might have a boyfriend or a little, mm -hmm. uh, a, a boy come around the house who was interested in me that she didn't particularly care for. And she would let me know that she didn't particularly care for that person. It was, I relived that. I relived my childhood in that way, having her here dating. And so for a long time, it felt like my life wasn't mine. So I wouldn't even date because I, and so mm. I would have to be in touch with my sponsor a lot. And so one of the suggestions that I got from my sponsor was to talk to my mother about how I was feeling and my perception. Because just because I felt that way didn't didn't necessarily make it so. Just because I felt like she was mm -hmm. she was um resentful of the fact that I was might be dating and going out didn't necessarily make it so. And and so I did talk to her about it. Of course, she denied it. She said that wasn't the case, but it sure felt like it. Every time I said I was going out, I, I still got that that same um look or uh the look or the um uh non response and so you know mm -hmm. i was like oh, you know feel, like i said feeling like a kid and, and and feeling like my life wasn't my life you know my life feeling so mm -hmm. heavy and at one point probably about 3 years ago it my life felt really dark and I didn't, I didn't have any suicidal ideations. I didn't have a plan, but I didn't want to be here anymore because it felt really heavy and it felt like, and at that time she, she's only had hearing aids for a year. So she didn't have hearing aids. It, it was getting uh, more and more difficult to communicate. I find my, I found myself not wanting to communicate with her because I got, I was resentful of having to repeat myself 
all the time. Um, and I find myself when she's trying to communicate with me now, when she doesn't have her hearing aids in, I still get resentful. So at the time that I started feeling really dark and not and feeling like, like I said, about three years ago, like I didn't want to be here. I took that to my sponsor. My sponsor asked me if I'd be willing to go to therapy. And I did. Um, and I did therapy for two years and I explored um, those feelings that I was having about feeling like a kid, like I wasn't even an adult caring for my mother, but I was just a kid, you know, um, and therapy really helped me get to um, having to put my foot down about the hearing aids and and talking to my mother about the hearing aids in a loving and a caring way and letting her know that it was it w- wouldn't only help her quality of life it would help our quality of relationship because we could interact more mm-hmm. we would watch the warriors games together prior to her hearing going really bad and so once her hearing went we we couldn't watch tv together anymore because the way that she watches TV is with TV ears, you know, um, with the um, hearing assistance. And so once she got the hearing aid, we were actually able to watch TV together and go to the movies and go out, go out. And so that changed. But in the meantime, you know, I was suffering and so grateful to have recovery support, so grateful to have a 12 step program, you know, because. I don't know if uh, if I did not have support, support, I don't know where I would be, actually, you know, and yeah. and since I don't know where I would be, then I don't know where my mother would be either, you know, so, right. Um, right. yeah, and it's, and right now, my mother only has one sibling, and um, she's a not I, I don't even think she's two years older than my mother. My mother is 84 and she has my mother's sisters in Chicago. She has dementia. And I just got a text from my cousin today, her daughter, um, that she was she was living in an assisted living um, place and. and this just happened just recently because my aunt was living by herself and then it got to the point that she could not live live alone anymore. And so it was too difficult for her to live with my cousin, even though she tried. Um, she needed too much care. And so she was in an assisted living facility. But I just found out from my cousin today that that place that she was living can no longer um, give her she needs more care than what they can give her. And so now she's in a nursing facility, yeah. you know, and I had to tell my mother about it. And, um, and I saw the, um, the sadness and the distress on my mother's face when she found out about it, because sometimes when my mother talks to her sister, sometimes she knows who she is and sometimes she doesn't, you know? And so, um, I really can sympathize 
with my cousin dealing, having to deal with this, sympathizing with you, you, Gerald, having to deal with it twice and just grateful Mm -hmm. that I have people in my support who, if this happens Mm -hmm. to me and my mother, who I can go to for their experience, strength and hope, because, um, yeah, this, you know, this is, this is serious. This is big. And um, I'm going to need the support. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you know, um, you mentioned something that triggered a, a thought. You, you know, the only way I got through this was the fact that I had experience with recovery and I was mm-hmm. stable you know, stable in terms of my own behavior, stable in terms of my recovery, stable in terms of my housing. You know, if if I didn't have any of those things, I wouldn't have been able, I would have probably tried to help, right. but I wouldn't have been helpful because it, it, do, it just doesn't help to try to cope with life in ways that make your situation worse. If I would have been using, if I would have been fighting with my parents, you know, fighting with my dad or fight, you know, the other, my brother also helped, but we would get into conflicts about the level of care and different things. And so I just had to manage myself and my Mm -hmm. recovery helped me do that. It just would have been, it just would have been too difficult to not have that support. And recovery helps us to manage a whole lot of life situations. (laughs) you know um, without going off the deep end especially like you said if we're stable in it and sometimes when we feel unstable we have the support that we can lean on to hold us up you know which I'm truly grateful for because oh my goodness yeah yeah You, you know one of the things also about recovery is that I had I had been around some people in recovery. I had some friends that passed mm-hmm. away. And so it was like I had I had got some experience with, you know, the end yes. of life, you know, and being there and being responsible. Now, that's much different than my own family members, my own mother and father. But at least none, none of this happened without me really um being warned about it through going to meetings. You know, the, we only talk about two things in meetings, things that have either happened to me or things that haven't happened to me yet. So it wasn't like I, I didn't know that, you know, people get old and people die and sometimes that's your own family members. So that also helped. I didn't really have any excuse right. to use. I didn't really have any excuse to act, act, um, act out, you know? Um, and so that really helped. Me. Right. And the, um, I think the other, the other, um, I was talking about the, how it's impacted me having my mother here has impacted me in positive ways and helping me to continue to stay on the path because, because this is a living amends to my mother, you know, I really don't want to do anything to cause more harm. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. ending my life at my own hands. Yeah, you know, picking up dope, um, doing anything that's going to jeopardize me or her, or our living or housing mm-hmm. situation. You know, so you know, it it hasn't been all bad. It's it certainly has um, 
help me to build my character, you know, um, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, it's helped, you know, it's just helped me to, um, to appreciate because I know so many people who don't, who don't have their parents. My, my father's deceased. My father, um, passed in 2007 in Nashville. Um, but I know so many people who don't have either their parents like you, you know, and so I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that I still have my mother and I Mm -hmm. will continue no matter how difficult it gets, I will continue to do Mm -hmm. whatever I can do to, um, to be there for her and to continue to care for her in whatever way is necessary. And right now, the only way that is necessary is that I provide housing for her um, and take her for errands, any phone calls, like to doctors, I do all those. Um, and so, mm-hmm. and as long as I'm able to do it, I will continue to do it. It's my, it's my service mm-hmm. to my mother, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you, you, you said something interesting, you know, how did it help me? Well, you know, I like being able to look in the mirror and say that, yeah, I did yes. do something for them. I did the best that I could for as long as I could. And I don't really have any regrets right. about that part. You know, as you get older, you start to have more regrets about the various decisions that you made and things you did poorly. But, you know, I did the best I could with that. And I'm happy that we yes. had that time together. It was a hard time, but life is about getting through difficult challenges and, you know, how you do that. And so um, I feel like that really helped my character. And, you know, I I feel like the big problem was that, you know, the body was decaying. Right. So I still have my relationship with my parents. You know, I invite them. I talk to them and I invite them to join me during my Mm. meditation sessions. And, you know, and I still understand, you know, they weren't perfect. But I still know what they would want from me. I know their values. And I'm just trying. Recovery is giving me a chance to live up to that. And, um, you know, I'm I'm proud of myself. You know, I'm, I'm you know, it was a tough period. You know, it, it, those kinds of situations lost. It's hard for us to deal with this human beings, let yeah. alone recovering people. So I, I was able to manage without using. I was able to manage without creating more problems. So I'm yes. real happy about That's that. something to be happy about. And if I was to um, pass anything on to our listeners about this subject, um, I think what I would pass on is to um, if you are if you find yourself in a blessed situation where you can take care of a family member, a parent, a loved one and um to to remember that you're you're not alone and that you never have to be alone unless you want to be and to make sure that you have support make sure that you have support mm-hmm. and um taking a a page from my cousin's book she realized even though it was a difficult decision for her she realized that she could not just like you did mm-hmm. she could not continue to take care of her mother that she had to put Mm -hmm. her somewhere else and i'm having Mm -hmm. to if it ever comes down to um that me having to make that decision with my mother i want to make sure 
that I'm not a martyr. Because, you know, I, cause I can be. Well, that's, that, yeah, yeah, that's humility you're talking Absolutely. about, knowing your limit. Absolutely. Knowing my limit. It, it wasn't like I put right. anybody in assisted living. It was that the symptoms Absolutely. got so great and they started deteriorating that that's all I really could do it's to get them the help that they needed. They just had to be someplace where they could get the level right. of care that they needed. And you I had, had to, to be, be all right with that. that. And that's the part. That's the part. Having mm-hmm. to accept reality and be all mm-hmm. right. With yeah. Reality. Yeah. So, right. Um, so, yeah. So this has been great, Gerald. Um, I've gotten a lot out of what you've offered and I've gotten some insights even as I was sharing. And so um, is there any. Are there any last words that you might want to say to the listeners or is there anything else that you want to add before we close? I I would just say that, you know, what we're talking about is a natural part of yeah. life. And um, to, to be able to live with some dignity and help your help another person live mm-hmm. and go out with dignity is a mm-hmm. pretty honorable thing. And so it's it's worth, you know, building some recovery around yourself and some support around yourself and so that you can just live yes. life on life's terms and yes. deal with whatever comes yes. up. Thank you so much. And with that, with that pearl of wisdom, I think we can just wrap it up. It's been great. I look forward <laughs> to sharing um, more topics with you and our listeners. And with that. Have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful day. And thank you again so much for being here.